0: Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: I'm dynamite.
2: It is Tuesday night here in San Diego, and I am in such a great mood because I know many of you love a white Christmas and you really like it to be snowing, but you can't have a white Christmas without it being below the freezing point in the atmosphere. And I have been incredibly cranky for days because it has been way too cold in San Diego for me, but it got up to... It's
3: been amazing.
2: (laughs) No, it hasn't. It's been well below uh, my, my flashpoint or whatever, my point of... Tolerance, And so I'm glad that we got up to 70 today. By Christmas Day, it will be 72 degrees here in San Diego. And I am loving it. And I am loving that I get to share this time with you all. And y'all recognize that voice. That's Dijon. Hey, hey. Hey. Um, and, of course, I'm in a good mood because, you know, tis the season for hope, right? That's part of what the, the season is about. And today's show, all of our stories today really are have hope. At some point, a part of the story, um, because this is the season for hope is the season for hope. But I'm not just talking about Christmas on today's show when we talk about hope and not all hope is actually good or well intentioned because this is the election season as well as the season for hope. And we just came off of one that was way too hope based because you can't have hope. Without at least some expectation on the other side. And the left so hoped and actually so expected that Hillary would win despite her crimes, her corruption, her complete lack of charisma, that when it didn't happen, they then turned around and actually had hope and at least some measure of expectation that they could actually overturn a free and fair election in the United States of America by literally trying to trample our Constitution and the electors through threats intimidation in order to bully them into submission. Coincidentally, that also happened on the same day in which we saw another political ideology attempt to take over free people as well happened in Turkey and Berlin. They are a political ideology, a group that's hell bent and hope bent on the destruction of America and the West. And then you contrast that with, we have hope filled Trump supporters and Americans of all political stripes that are literally hoping that Trump is going to be able to implement some, their expectation is not that he's going to implement everything that he said he was going to, but if he just got some passed, that will restore hope for our future in America after the fallout of Mr. Hope and Change and what he did to America and what his agenda, what his hope and expectations were that in some ways didn't look a whole lot different than the people yesterday and what went down. Now I've got guests today. I've got a few guests today to come on and talk about all these different stories of hope. I am really excited to have, uh, for the first time, I've got two of my guests are first timers on the Andrea K Show. One you know well, you ha- you must, you Andrea K Show listeners, because I know that you guys know everybody who's important in the world of of security, national security, and terror. We've got Frank Gaffney, who former Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy during the Reagan administration, and now President and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. He's going to be here. And my old buddy, my old buddy who had lots of hope and expectation for Hillary going into the election, Christopher Hahn's going to be here. He has enough hope that he's going to be able to survive a segment with me that he's actually coming on and entering in today. And then I've got another first time guest on The Andrea K. Show. He and I actually were on a panel together recently on Newsmax. He's like a homeboy, he's like a family member, he's kinfolk. He's the uh, co-chair of the Louisiana Trump campaign and a radio and TV host in Louisiana, Jeff Cruer. So he's going to be here. So don't go anywhere because we're going to take a skinny, quick little break and we come back. We're going to talk to the one and only Frank Gaffney. This is the Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer.
1: You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy
2: day. Oh, happy day. Oh, that's a good one. Dijon. I told my buddy Dijon, I said, you surprised me with some bumper music today. I was actually thinking about having all Journey music. I didn't tell Dijon early enough because I guess they're going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I do love me some Journey. I do. I might have to go see them if they ever roll around in concert, but they don't have the original lead singer. So, you know,
3: No, they have a better one because he's Filipino and he's representing. <laughs> see,
1: I'm oh, very proud. Very come proud.
2: You say that liberal stuff. You know, this is a conservative show. Um Back to the lecture at hand, as my man Snoop Dogg would say at the top of the hour, we were talking about hope. And most of my stories today, all my stories today involve hope. And I got inspired by that by listening to Michelle Obama. See, droning on about how there's no hope, hope anymore left for, for America. We actually have a lot of hope. Uh, the Trump supporters of all stripes have a lot of hope for the future of America. And one area in which they've got a lot of hope, which was really instrumental in Trump winning this election, was his plans to make us safe. Against the number one threat that we face, and it is not gas coming out of cows, baby, or climate change. It is the threat of radical Islam, and I am really thrilled to have with me for the first time on the Andrea K show, Frank Gaffney. He is the former assistant secretary of defense for international security policy during the Reagan administration. You heard me. He is now president CEO of the Center for Security Policy, and you know what? This is just like a fraction of his resume. This man is an absolute expert in Washington D.C. on the threat that we face. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show, Frank.
0: It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Okay, um, last night, Frank, twelve people were killed in Berlin in an attack which had all the hallmarks of Islamic terror. As well as an ambassador being shot on camera in Turkey. Now, if you you're so busy, you probably never listen to the the the, the lefties or the liberals and the mainstream media. But let me tell you some of their explanations for what happened. The Russian ambassador Russian ambassador that must be Trump's fault because, and I literally heard this because of his anti-Muslim rhetoric on the campaign trail, as well as his ties to Putin. And then I saw multiple reports in terms of Berlin that this was one of the headlines, a truck mowed down people on the street as though there was nobody behind the wheel, Frank, in that truck. This truck just decided to mow some people down on the street. But we really know what was behind the wheel of that truck, don't we, Frank?
0: Well, we don't know, apparently, exactly who was behind that truck, as the folks that the Germans um, apprehended initially, Uh, they're now saying you may not have been the perpetrator, at least that was like the last report I had. But it's pretty clear it wasn't on autopilot. <laughs> and it was <laughs> right. engaged in a kind of activity that we've seen now in a number of places, uh, notably in, in Nice, uh, most recently in France, um, where it's used as an act of uh, what I think is best described as individual jihad against infidels, uh, used to attack um, innocent civilians mm-hmm. uh, who have um, no reason to be targeted by anybody other than they are not Sharia-adherent Muslims, mm-hmm. uh, and they haven't yet submitted to those who are. And Sharia, of course, is the the term that um, the jihadists use to describe their supremacist doctrine that they Mm -hmm. seek to impose on everybody worldwide. So that's, I think, what happened there. And I I think, frankly, um, a variation on the theme was uh, perpetrated by this uh, apparently an off-duty police officer in Turkey and assassinating the Russian ambassador. It didn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. It didn't have anything to do um, with his... um, Attitudes towards Vladimir Putin, it had everything to do, Mm -hmm. as the shooter said at the time, uh, with uh, Aleppo, apparently, uh, in, in Syria and what's been going on there lately, and Allahu Akbar, which is not just God is great, as we're often told, it is God is greater.
2: Well, it's it funny is, you should. It
0: is the essence of the supremacist program of Islam.
2: Absolutely, and it's funny you should say that because I actually had somebody call me last night and say, "Hey, what happened in Turkey?" Because I'm hearing some police dude came in screaming, "God is great," and shot an ambassador. And I said, "No, that's not what he screamed." Just like the Orlando shooter did not. That's not what the Orlando shooter said to the police in the nine one one calls either. They all say "Allahu Akbar." Not God is great. That's a part of the media and the left in this country trying to dumb us down as to the threat that we face. And it is Islamic jihad. Is it not, Frank?
0: It certainly seems to be. Uh, and this is the pattern, as I say, that uh, has manifested itself, uh, not just in uh um, you know garden spots of uh europe and and uh, parts of the middle east and elsewhere around the world but but here as well um and you know what's peculiar is that uh, we've seen especially in this country and and in europe um determined efforts made. To disguise that fact, Mm -hmm. uh, to to claim that this has nothing to do with Islam, this isn't even terrorism. We don't think it's just deranged people. Uh, It's inexplicable um, some some of the time we're told, Uh, when in fact uh, close inspection uh, indicates that in many cases these are these are not lone wolves as we're told. They're known wolves. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're people who had come to the attention of the authorities because. They were jihadists, and they were uh, preparing for or they were espousing Mm -hmm. um, acts of violence against others. And, you know, it's infuriating, quite frankly, that we're misled in this way again and again. And it speaks to why it's happening in part. I believe that uh, these jihadists are acting as they are in no small measure because they believe we are submitting them and that's their goal and when they see the infidel submitting uh, it is doctrinally their responsibility to redouble their efforts well, isn't to make that, us all feel subdued.
2: Well, subdued. isn't that what all bullies do? And the more you let them get away with it, the more they, they, they bully you. And we have had eight years of a president every time there was an Islamic terror attack come out. And the first thing that he did come out say, nobody draw any conclusions against Islam, the peaceful religion. And literally after a year ago, we had Christians attacked at a Christian party by a terrorist who was imported in the uh, through a K-1 visa in San Bernardino, who had been studying in a madrasa, and and w- what's her name? Loretta Lynch came out afterwards and threatened people who said anything bad, threatened people with prosecution for hate crimes. And we don't even have hate speech legislation in this country. We have had eight years of it. We had a truck a couple of weeks ago at my niece's alma mater at uh, Ohio State. What was that about? We now find out about that guy that he should have never been allowed here it was seen what his family and what his ideology was all about before they were even brought here they weren't vetted at all and then what but regardless of that what happened afterwards we even had people officials at ohio state saying that trump shouldn't go there and meet with the with the family members or the or the victims and that what we needed to do was have sympathy for the young man who did it i mean we've lost our rockers how did we get here after 911 so many years ago frank
0: I believe that it's not an accident, um, as the Soviets used to say, comrade. Uh, This is uh, part and parcel of a very successful, very disciplined, very patient and long-running influence operation um, conducted inside our country, Um, It really targeting all of our civil society institutions, but most especially our government. I've written a book on the subject with my colleague Claire Lopez called See No Sharia. Mm -hmm. which talks about how we've been disarmed. Our first lines of defense specifically have been disarmed by what is sometimes described as political correctness or multiculturalism or diversity sensitivity. But as I said earlier, what is perceived by our enemies is that we are engaged in submission. And when that happens, um, I'm afraid that that, – we we have accommodated um, their demands in many mm-hmm. cases. We've created this whole notion that they have all kinds of civil rights and civil liberties that must take precedence over protecting us against jihadism. We've been treating Islam uh, with all of the deference that a religion is due, uh, without regard for the fact that within it, uh, not practiced by every Muslim, but certainly by many of them, is this supremacist totalitarian brutally repressive doctrine and sharia and we need to understand that's that's actually seditious (laughs) yeah it is
2: i've been protect right and if you're just tuning in by the way this is the andrea k show and i'm talking to frank gaffney about the war on terror and jihad i don't know if you heard trump's statements Um, He issued a statement afterwards regarding the Islamic terrorists continuously slaughter Christians in their communities. I was really glad he mentioned that because that is not anything that's being reported about. I heard almost nothing about the Cairo church in which 25 people was killed. We're not hearing anything or seeing any images on the TV about Christians being slaughtered over there and be beheaded. And what's happening to them, we're not hearing anything about like an Indonesia fatwas that have been been issued, according to the Clarion Project, against any employees at any stores that against wearing any uh, Christmas type of of uh, attire or any type of ornamentation. There is a war on Christians. There is a war on Christmas and it's happening. Uh, with the Muslims. He went on to say that these terrorists and their regional and worldwide networks must be eradicated from the face of the earth, a mission we will carry out with all freedom-loving partners. Do you agree with that statement and what is his plan to make that happen?
0: Well, I think what's going on here is uh, a little bit more complicated in the sense that I believe we're dealing not just with Islamic supremacists and their efforts to do as I've just described, force us to submit, but they're getting help from cultural Marxists and, and others on the hard left who may have a different end state in mind, uh, for sure, but who are willing to join forces with them, to enable them. So we've, we've got this phenomenon now that uh, you, you say we're not, uh, we're not allowed to talk about this stuff. We're not allowed to acknowledge what's going on. We're, we're misrepresenting, in fact, who the enemy is. Well, in part, that's what's known as Sharia blasphemy. Mm-hmm code being imposed. And it's being imposed with the help, as I say, of people tell you, oh, no, well, you can't give offense. Um, uh, you, you know, we must be sensitive or, or multicultural or what have you on the left. But together, they are dumbing us down and making us desperately more vulnerable than we would otherwise be because we're not seeing or taking the appropriate steps to counter this uh, insidious phenomenon of Sharia in America.
2: Well, one suggestion that I've had for years, and almost nobody's agreed with me on it, I think I heard Rick Santorum, he was the only one who mentioned it in a debate. My suggestion has been to remove the protections of religious freedoms for them and to declare them as a political ideology, because to me that's what they are. They are a political ideology with a religious component. I do think that their goals, I don't think the Marxists really care whether or not the their end game looks exactly like page 94 of the Communist Manifesto, as long as they have a centralized government with full control over the citizens. And that, to me, is what the end game is about. And if we don't remove the religious protections from them and get inside these mosques and route these people out, how can we ever, I mean, I see Kobach on the news this morning say, well, we just need to ask them if they support jihad. Well, Frank, that ain't quite enough, is it?
0: No, but it's a start. Um, I I think it's getting clear whether they embrace and practice sharia, which is what directs them to engage in jihad. Jihad is, is simply the approved um, indeed required technique for accomplishing the triumph of Sharia worldwide. And I, I'm, I emphasize that, Andrew, because I think once you recognize that that's what you're up against, it's a little harder for people who engage in Sharia to dissemble. Um, it's saying, no, we, we don't, we don't, uh, we're not into sh- jihad is one thing, um, particularly because we've typically, and this is again a function of that Muslim Brotherhood influence operation, we've been encouraged to only look at the violent mm-hmm. kind of jihad. In fact, there are several others. There's the Hidra which is the, the the kind of migration, even invasion that we've seen of muslims into europe of late and some here too. um there's something called zakat which is you know i'm sure is um the obligatory uh, you know, taxing of Muslims, a portion of the proceeds of which have to go into funding jihad. And then there's what the Muslim Brotherhood calls civilization jihad, which is a kind of subversion, or they also call it dawah. It's it's about proselytizing, but it's also intended to create conditions under which ultimately sharia, through violent jihad probably, will be imposed. So all of these things are are, are at work here, and uh, we're ignoring them We've, under the Obama administration, and frankly, to some extent, the Bush administration, oh, yeah. simply failed to recognize them, and we can't afford to do that. I hope Donald Trump won't.
2: Well, uh, there there's the word of the hour tonight, and it's hope. And people do have hope in him that he is actually going to do at least more than what's been done. And the, I do think words matter, and words are important, and I think that that's why the Obama administration... Re- Took words like Islamic Jihad out of our national security plan, and I think it is a start to put those words back in. And I absolutely believe that he is going to uh, take steps with the immigration programs and the war on terror to at least minimize uh, and not repeat some of the mistakes that we've had under the Obama administration. How can people uh, find you, Frank, and read more about your work?
0: Uh, If I could commend to them two sites uh, Secure Freedom. um, is a wonderful repository of our research, including books that are available to you for free as downloadable PDFs. The other um, is a terrific um, resource, counterjihad.com, and I hope they'll uh, take advantage of both of them.
2: All right. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it.
0: Pleasure is mine. Thank you.
2: All righty. I could have him on the entire hour. There's just so much information that he has on this this scourge that we're facing and this threat that we're facing. But I do have hope. I have hope that great minds like him are going to be brought into the Trump administration and they're actually going to wage a good war. All right. Speaking of war, we're going to take a quick break and then my buddy Christopher Hahn's going to be back. We might have a little war going on between the two of us. Just teasing. He's a buddy of mine. But anyway, don't go anywhere. More of the Andrea K. show on the other side of the break.
1: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM1170 The Answer.
2: Ooh, that's one of my all time faves. That one's got me jamming into my chair. I'm in such a good mood. Hey y'all heard of the no spin zone? Well today I got the full gloat zone going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I had to invite my buddy Christopher Hahn back on the show. He hasn't been on the show in a while and he's such a good sport to come back on the show today. Chris, welcome back to the show, baby. It's
3: great to be here. Sexy, how you doing?
2: I'm good. Hey, you sound like you're in a good mood. How can that be after Hillary lost once? Not twice, but three times, baby. She's What's that What's that song by Lionel Richie? Cue that up, Dylan. <laughs>
3: It's once, twice, three times a lady I don't think that's about losing I think that's about winning
2: Oh, no, she's three times a loser, baby Now, seriously, though uh, Two times she's lost After the first free and fair election that we had, then she lost again an embarrassing recount, which ended up costing her more votes. And they ended up digging up more votes for Trump. Then yesterday she lost for a third time. Three, three votes went to Colin Powell. Maybe one vote went to somebody called Spotted Eagle out of Washington.
3: I mean, you know, uh, any realistic person knew on election night that the election was over. So uh, you know she did lose once, but uh, I'm an optimist. You know two things are going to happen. Either way, uh, you know I, I don't wish ill will on the president-elect. I, I hope he does well. He's the president of this country. I'm not going to be a Mitch McConnell and root for his. Oh uh,
2: come on now.
3: I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I think that I think that as Americans, I think we have to be um, supportive. And uh, and if there's a place that we need to oppose him, we will absolutely do that. We uh, have we have like, your
2: president right now. Excuse me. We have your president right now, and all the and Hillary Clinton, all the rest of these people trotting around in this color purple. Okay, like we don't know what that's about. Don't be acting well, like they're purple, not they're not trying to purple, lead some purple, subversive revolution about, going on behind the well, scenes. Well, at least McConnell you. was honest about it.
3: Purple about unity. Purple means. Uh uh-huh. Purple is the color of a state that's neither blue nor red. If you mix blue and red together, you get purple. I don't know what they teach you guys in San Diego in art class, but in New York we (laughs) learn how to mix those colors together. (laughs) So, uh, so, but uh, no. What we what we
2: know here in San Diego is we read. Okay, see, we understand that that purple is about a revolution going on. Okay, and it's code. You love like to talk about code and coded words. That's the coded purple going on there. The coded purple. Yes.
3: What what color should they be wearing? what color would be less offensive to you? Should they wear red or blue?
2: How about not coordinating a color because it's obvious that it's some kind of coordinated attempt to fight America?
3: Period after elections for the last you know 35 years, people on both sides of the aisle wear purple after the election to signify the unification of the party after the partisan divide of the election. And there's nothing wrong with wearing purple. After I don't election. remember Barbara I Bush. I think that I don't I think remember. That well, come on, Barbara Bush wouldn't have looked too good in purple. Leave her alone. <laughs>
2: oh, come on now! Right. And
3: actually, and actually, Barbara Bush was was known to wear blue dresses. That was her color. Right. Now so let's, it, but let's
2: it, be serious. Let's move because I don't have a huge amount of time with you. Although I could sit and chat with you all day because you crack me up. But if we had. Nobody could even question where Barack Obama was born without being labeled, and they're still dragging that around. That you're a racist if you question his citizenship, which citizenship has nothing at all to do with color, or race, by the way. It has to do with geography. Well, but you, know, you have, just, but, but you, most
3: and not everybody, not everybody's a racist who did that, but most of
2: them were. Not, no, so they weren't. Just, I question. I want to know where the dude was born. But let me tell you well, this: said, if we was had
3: born in Hawaii, but okay. even though
2: I'm not trying to relitigate that, I'm trying to make the point that we did not have a Republican Party as much. As much as we knew what a threat he was to this country in terms of his agenda in 08 and then especially in 2012, there was nobody, no Republican, let alone en masse, who tried to launch a movement to overturn a free and fair election, calling up and leveling death threats against Americans and electors. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of it. Chris, will you renounce that here on my show?
3: Oh, I think that the movement to overthrow the results of the election was ridiculous. And I don't think that it was it was based at all uh, in the mainstream of the Democratic Party. It was on the fringes, and I, I totally reject it. Uh, I said on election night, congratulations, Mr. Trump, and congratulations, Mr. President-elect, and we wish you well. Uh, and, and like I said, I think that until – you know, I have a, a rule. Uh, until the man is actually in office and making decisions. Now, granted, I'm not 100% happy with the people he's picked for his cabinet, but I never thought I would be. Um, but I, until he actually makes decisions, I'm going to try to be, uh, you know, I'm going to try to treat him with kid gloves.
2: Right. Who uh, was it? Makes
3: that... decisions, if, there's, if there's a decision I disagree with, I will loudly voice that opinion. As you know, I will. But until yeah. that point in time, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, am hopeful that he will do what's right by the American people.
2: Well, but who do you have a particular problem with your gal, Monica? I know your buddies with Monica Crowley. She's been on my well, show. Monica, a
3: bunch of look, Monica, Monica Crowley, as you know, is my TV wife. So yes. I, I actually called her up. And uh, and wished her well. And I think she's fantastic. And, yeah, She's amazing. Uh, she's very smart. I don't agree with a lot of her politics, but she is incredibly smart mm-hmm. uh, a person and, and somebody who I have a lot of affection for personally. Yeah, she's uh, amazing. We disagree. We disagree on almost everything politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there isn't a person on this planet that I love more than Monica Crowley. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I'm not. I am a little concerned with some of the people who lack experience. Um, and I'm not even talking about Rex Tillerson. I, I'm more concerned of like a Rick Perry. Uh, the he's department been
2: governor of Texas. But, what are you talking about? Lack's experience?
3: Well, I mean, when, you know, when he when he was running for president four years ago, he wanted to eliminate the Department of Energy, which means to me he didn't know what the Department of Energy does. No, that it's means not he's not the
2: right guy to take over the t- to take over well, the department.
3: Well, a- Andrea,
2: I that's why I love guy. his picks because he's. Yeah, but it,
3: it, the DOE, the DOE Andrew tracks nuclear weapons around the world. Well, it he's not going to dismantle the laboratory system. Well, that doesn't mean. So.
2: Let me do, let me let me educate you, young man. You can get rid of a department without getting rid of every aspect of it. You know, we just like just like W stupidly, in my opinion, came up with the Department of Homeland Security and launched that massive bureaucracy. You know what you can do? You can dismantle the department but keep one aspect of it and move it over to another agency. Well, yeah, getting exactly rid of energy doesn't mean that you're not going to continue to track. Nuclear weapons. By the way, if you're just tuning yeah. in, this is the Andrea K. Show. I've got to tell everybody, I'm talking to my buddy Christopher Hahn, radio show host and Fox News contributor. Um, I want to, I do want to get back to the electoral college just for a minute. You're concerned about some of Trump's picks. I get that. What I'm concerned with the left is, is that they are never going to accept him as president. These are the kids that you see. Having a hissy fit and a temper tantrum on the aisle at the grocery store because Mama says no to the candy bar, and they continue and continue and continue and stomp their feet, determined that they're going to get their way, and that the next thing is going to be impeachment. But then also, while while, let let me let me hear me out, I'm not got to finish my thought. This electoral electoral college thing is not going away. Your president had the gall to refer to this as a vestige of an antiquated system. There is a plan to overturn the electoral college, and they, they. The reason why Hillary only went to 20-something states was because they don't care about the flyover states. They only care about the populated areas. Their plan to expand the dependency class is because they just want massive masses of people in rural areas. And that's their game plan. My prediction is... That will be a very serious movement on the entire Democrat Party in the next couple of years.
3: Well, well, you know, Donald Trump himself said that the Electoral College is a rigged system. He wanted to get rid of it during the campaign. And then the Electoral College. We're talking about your party
2: now, baby. We're talking about your party. Well,
3: look, I I think that the Electoral College is not going to overthrow this election. But I do think that as Americans now, we've had two elections in the last you know, 16 years that the popular vote in the Electoral College were split. Uh, I don't think that's good for democracy, and I think that if why? we want to move forward as a nation, why is that you, bad for you've democracy? Gotta, you've got to move. You've got to move to a popular vote because it doesn't. It, it delegitimizes the president of the United States in the eyes of about three million people. You know, there, you know, he he got three million fewer votes uh, than the person who he beat. And I to think me, that I, there there needs to be some sort of change to the way the electoral college is used, or it needs to be eliminated. That's a long conversation. It re- would require a constitutional amendment uh, or an adoption of a system among many states where the electors would vote with the popular vote.
2: To me, so this is a that- symbol. I, 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 gotta jump in. To me, w- the result is not, oh, gee, we need to, we need to, uh, get rid of the electoral college because, you know, s- the popular vote, to me, this is a symbol of why it works. This is a great civics lesson for America as to the brilliance of our founders, who were all inexperienced, by the way. None of them had 40 years in, in, uh, government office, trotting around the world line in their pockets, getting nothing done, like Hillary, by the way. They were all inexperienced, but they understood. No, they they they, were very well yeah, they, they anyway they were not but you know what I'm talking about So the Electoral College, this is brilliant. The left wants it to be the popular vote because you look at the demographics in these rural cities that they have flooded with refugees and immigrants and everybody else, the unskilled people that are all the dependency class. They want more and more and more and more and more of that. That's their voting base, and it's all for power. And on top of it, the left took our civics out of our schools. So the American people believe we're a democracy. You know we're not a democracy, don't you, Chris? You know we're a republic, right? Hello? Hello?
3: I think it's, it's funny that you believe.
2: Where are you? Are you on a cell and losing your signal? I think I'm, I think we might have lost Chris, and I think it m- might must mean that Andrea won the argument. <laughs> All right, I think we lost Chris. We got to leave it there. I was going to ask him about my last question for him was that Nancy Pelosi. How in the world did this woman? Get, giving back the, the seat of power for the Democrat Party and whether or not he likes the direction that they're going on. I say y'all keep going on that direction, Chris and Nancy Pelosi, because it's, it's like the same direction I see of the of the EDCO disposal waste trucks going to the landfill, dumping trash. That's the direction y'all are on. Keep it up. You. you oh, you're there. Okay.
3: I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. I hope, I hope that didn't screw up your show. Sorry. No,
2: that's okay. Actually, Chris, here was my last question I was just throwing out to the listeners. Nancy Pelosi the lady that y'all, re- in, talk about insanity, y'all gave her more power. She says mm-hmm. y'all are going in, that the, the Democrats and Americans don't want to go in a new direction. I was saying, I don't know if you heard me, that I hope y'all keep going on this direction, because it was rejected. Y'all got rejected like, you know, a cat coughing up a fur ball. okay? So I say keep going on this policy, because um, to me, it, it I use the analogy of the dump trucks going to the landfill here in San Diego. Do you think you guys need to go in a new direction?
3: I think we need new leadership uh, in the party, and I think we've got we've to reexamine how we communicate with the American people. There's clearly a large chunk of Americans that are not identifying with Democrats who should be, and, um, and that's a failure in leadership and a failure in messaging. And I think that uh, you know, what worked in the 1990s doesn't work today, and we've got to change direction.
2: So when you say change direction, you're just thinking of leadership and messaging and how you say it. You guys are still not willing to see that it was, it was a policy failure as well?
3: Well, I think that that our policies are actually weren't discussed in this election. I think that there was a lot of identity politics talked about. Yeah. I think there was a lot of why this guy was bad, and I don't think that the policies that Democrats have advocated for for the last you know ten years have really been fully discussed with the American people because they decided to focus on on a few things that uh, some people thought worked in the '90s, and I think it's time that we. We move on from that, and we figure out a new way to communicate. I think Bernie Sanders was on to something, yeah. and I think we need to uh, start listening to what we heard during that portion of this campaign. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know some of the things that, that work for Clinton, you, know, you don't throw everything out, but there's a lot of messaging and, 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 a, and a change of direction, particularly on trade – And other things that are affecting working people across this country that that needs to be uh, put to the forefront of our policies.
2: Well, I think you're right on. And I really you know, if they were smart, they would bring you in in some strategy sessions because you hit the nail on the head. They keep doubling down on the identity politics stuff. And that's that's a loser. That's a loser uh, for the left. I hope they keep doing it because it's going to keep helping us win. Speaking of listening, how can people hear you, Chris?
3: Well, I'll be on WABC 770 AM on uh, on Friday from 10 to noon, filling in for Bernie and Sid. But every Thursday night on LI News Radio on Long Island and uh, 900 AM The talk in West Palm Beach. I'm also on in Gainesville, Florida. I don't know my, my call letters, but I'm there Thursdays and Sundays. Um, you know, always live Or you can turn me to ChristopherHahn.com and find out where I am all the
2: time. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank you. All okay. right. Oh, bye, hun. Bye-bye. All right. From New York City down to Louisiana. So don't go anywhere. Stay uh, with us because we've got a, a new guest to the Andrea K. Show coming up. Jeff Cruer from Louisiana. Don't go anywhere. Andrea K. Show right here on the other side of the break.
1: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
2: Okay. Um, all right. I guess, baby. Dijon's grooving to that. I have no idea what that song You is. don't like it? I dig it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of my New Orleans jam. What is that? What was it? Uh,
1: it's
5: it says the Budo's band,
2: the Budo's band. Never heard of him. But maybe my next guest has because he is calling in from NOLA. He is Jeff Crewe, author of the new book, America's Last Chance. He was a Trump delegate, co-chair of the Louisiana Trump campaign. He's the host publisher of Ringside Politics on WGSO and NOLA and on uh, on the radio. And he's also same show on PBS on TV down there. And he is a fellow Cajun. How are y'all today, Jeff?
0: <laughs>
6: uh, it's doing great. It's a little cold down here today. It's uh, sort of in the 40s, so we're, we're uh, experiencing a little bit of that Christmas chill. But it's we're doing great down here.
2: Well, good. I'm glad. I, I just had a flashback to the times when I... I would have to drive across a lot of frozen bridges between Slidell and Baton Rouge, uh, to go back to LSU after Christmas break. A lot of, there'd be time, people don't know this about Louisiana. It gets cold down there. There were times we had pipe freezes at LSU. Now, is that why you decided not to go to LSU? You went to somewhere crazy like Vanderbilt or somewhere? <laughs> What's your excuse, Jeff?
6: Well, my two kids are at LSU, so I'm, I'm paying it back this way. I've got two at LSU right now, but uh, I just fell in love with Vanderbilt. I went up there and uh, loved the campus and and enjoyed my time up there. But uh, my kids love LSU and mm-hmm. go up there all the time and enjoy Baton Rouge. So it's yeah. yeah, definitely it, a great place.
2: Yeah, it is. Now, Vanderbilt cannot be – I've never been to the campus there. One of my uh, uh, high school friends went to Vanderbilt. But it can't be any prettier than LSU's campus. I got I think our campus is the prettiest, like campus at, anywhere. It's a great
6: campus. But the thing about uh, Vanderbilt is it's right by Nashville, and I love Nashville. Mm-hmm. And you've got the mountains, which yeah. LSU does not have.
2: Yeah, we and got the Indian that- Mounds right there, not far from, not, not far from Mike's cage. <laughs> hey, are they got get. What are they doing with Mike before we we talk about uh, the segment? What are they doing for a replacement for Mike the Tiger?
6: I I think um, they're they're gonna be getting a new mic. Uh, of course the uh, Mike the six uh had cancer and, and was euthanized. and uh, I think they're looking for a new Mike the Tiger. I think they've got mm-hmm. until football season to try to find one. But PETA is making a big deal about oh, it, trying no. to protest.
2: Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Like for real? Oh yeah. Wow. They say no
6: no more live
2: mascots. That's insane. You know where they're gonna have a they're gonna have they're going to be chased with some flaming torches <laughs> if if, they, if Peter tries to try to mess with getting a new mic down there at LSU. I got I got lots of my family to Bubba's down there to help them. OK, so let's get to the topic at hand. Michelle Obama. She's feeling hopeless, Jeff. I, I don't know if she's hopeless because she's sitting on a on a beach on her last taxpayer funded vacation in Maui and they're taking too long to get her the Mai Tai. I don't know. I don't know if that's what her hopelessness is about, because this, these people are living large and have amassed quite a bit of wealth. Uh, while sitting in the White House, um, are you feeling hopeless? You down there in the French Quarter drinking Neptune's monsoons at Port-a-Call? <laughs> What's with this hopelessness business?
6: You know, I'm feeling hopeful for the first time in eight years. I mean, everybody I'm talking to is feeling hopeful. I don't know who she's talking to, but let me tell you, her lifestyle as First Lady has been unprecedented. She has traveled the world, she has a bigger staff than any other First Lady in history. She's always praised as this, uh, you know, wonderful representative of America. I've never really liked her. I mean, I've never really liked her from the very beginning when she said the first time she was proud of her country was when, Mm -hmm. you know, her husband was uh, elected. And I I think she's uh, someone who is not showing Donald Trump much respect by dissing Donald Trump. I've never seen a a first lady and a president be so disrespectful toward Mm -hmm. the incoming president as as this a couple. I mean, I'm, I'm right. really
2: classless. I, I
6: guess I shouldn't be surprised. I'm right. very disappointed in them.
2: Completely classless. And the same interview in which she's talking about how, well, we need to be unlike others were to us. We're going to be supportive of the new president coming in while she's sitting there talking about how completely hopeless America is right now. It is winning. I mean, th- they could not be more hypocritical, low class, you know, um, anti-american they it, it kind of reminds me of when i used to fire people back in my days in corporate corporate sales you know people always left with the same added, bad attitudes and bad crap that they brought through the door people always proved to me when i was firing them exactly why they needed to be fired and that's the case here they were anti-american when they when they were on the campaign trail this was a man who went over in 2008 and did a, did a campaign speech in cairo lining up the front the front row with muslim brotherhood her thesis when she was in college was all anti-American. They don't like this country. They consider all of us the basket of deplorables. They they dislike us as much as they dislike Trump. And it oozes out of every part of their body. And I got to tell her, I was so offended last night. Somebody said that on CNN. They said, oh, she speaks for all women everywhere. She does not speak for me. Because I don't see myself... Through, through the through the lens of my skin color, when she's talking to Oprah and saying talking about how her character and this and that, mm. everything was about her skin color. As a black woman, as you know, this as that to me that is incredibly racist. I see myself as a woman first. I see myself as an American. Right. I don't I don't think of myself as as a white person.
6: Right, and, and I think they've been very race conscious. It's it's been all about race. Uh, they constantly throw up the issue of race and. They make it very hard for America to unite. I mean, this has been the most racially divisive administration ever. And I think Trump, if he can improve this economy, can help the inner city like he promised, can really help us move toward better race relations. Ironically, the Republican, the billionaire, can be be someone who could have a very positive effect on racial healing. Unfortunately, Obama has been, uh, from the very beginning, anti-police. Talked mm-hmm. about how the police acted uh, stupidly in the uh, Gates case in Cambridge. Then, of course, his comments about Ferguson and Trayvon Martin and on and on. It's just been uh, it's been an exhausting eight years with these two. I'm so glad they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're going to do what the Bushes did. You know, when the Bushes left, they just sort of went away.
2: We'll see if they steal. We'll see if they steal as much as the Clintons did. Yeah. You know, in (laughs) fact, you know, I was kind of actually bothered by W because you look at how much Jimmy Carter has run his mouth and Clinton's run his mouth. It's like he has sat back and said nothing critical whatsoever of Obama. In fact, he was he has been through different sly comments, more critical of Trump. W has than he ever has of Obama. And there were supposed to be protocols involving former presidents that you don't do what these people are doing. Um, but, you know, these people do not have a history of class um, in terms of hope. Let's look at let's look at some really important indicators of hope in this country. We've got the stock market, Jeff, that's hitting highs every day, higher than Charlie Sheen daily highs back in the heyday. Uh, we've got um, it, it's still hovering around the phenomenal 20 K mark. We've got the dollar at the 14 at a 14 year peak. We've now got a Gallup poll, although, you know, I don't necessarily believe all polls, but economic confidence is at a new high. The American people are hopeful for the first time in eight years. And there is. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is not only those hard indicators, but you've got the hope being displayed in the form of Carrier, who's keeping jobs here, they're doing that because they're hopeful of policies that are coming down the road to help business. You look at, was it SoftBank, the Japanese man who who committed $50 billion? Hope is springing eternal. Well, unlike
6: the last administration where we had a community organizer who put in a lot of radical professors and other activists like Van Jones, who was an avowed communist, we've got a guy who's a billionaire who's created a successful business who's bringing in successful people from the military, from business people that have run organizations and succeeded. We're talking about top-flight, competent people that will be able to run government, I think, very efficiently, very well. And I think the American people are responding. And, and I think you're seeing, yes, a surge of optimism. And I, 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 they are off to a very good start, Andrea, from the appointments, I think, to the economic progress. I am very hopeful about what is coming. But what I'm not hopeful about Are these Democrats coming on board from the protests to the whole thing about the Electoral College and the recount from the media? They're going to be uh, opposing him every step of the way. So this is going to be a political battle Mm -hmm. that will not go away, it looks like to me.
2: Right. No, I I just had Christopher Hahn from Fox News on before you. And I told him that this Electoral College stuff, when you see President Obama coming out and referring to the EC is a vestige of an antiquated system. Uh, there's indicators to me that the party is going to be doing everything they can to try to overturn that. And they're they're willing to play a long game in terms of overturning our, our system with the Electoral College. On top of it, there's already push for impeachment. They are going away and we need to have a Republican Party that's going to have the that the guts to stand with Donald Trump. He was the only right. one who could have won this year because he's the only Republican in any recent times has actually got the guts to stand mm. up uh, to these people. If you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Andrea K. show. And I'm talking to uh, Jeff crew air um, hope needs action. Hope needs results. And what it, it Michelle Obama sitting there in in that interview saying, you know, hope wasn't just some slogan that Barack used. Well, of course it was, because people had an expectation of actually life being better on the other end of it. And when it didn't happen, they jumped ship and went and went to Trump. Right. And he's already he's not even in office yet. And he's already got results. Correct.
6: Well, here's what. Yes, definitely. He's gotten he's done more as a president elect than Obama's done as president in eight years, I think. I mean, Obama promised shovel-ready jobs it was a lie. He promised a health care plan we could keep our doctor, keep our plan. It was a lie. My premiums, Andrea, have gone up 600 percent under oh, Obamacare. Wow. And my deductible is up. My doctor is gone. Everything about the promises he made have been lies. And we're going to repeal and replace it. Thank goodness. But I mean, he is. I mean, the, Trump is going to deliver. The man sleeps right. four hours a night. He works constantly. He, right. he seems to be someone that is the energizer bunny, and right. we need that. Well, Obama, what has he done? Four hundred rounds of golf. All he's done is like, foster around the world.
2: Yeah, it's just been the cultural marxist, one cultural marxist play after the other. It's been all about just division, in order to divide us and then try to cobble together, you know, a power base based upon those divisions. But I actually think that she's correct that the left is feeling hopeful, hopeful, hopeless. And I think they have a right to, because what were they hopeful for? They were hopeful for completing the transformation to a centralized government of full power. No state's rights, a centralized government controlling every aspect of our lives from, you know, what we eat, drive, what a thermostat is. And the American people rejected it. The what won in this election? Individual freedom, religious freedom for Christians, free market freedoms. You know the left places. What was his hope and change all about? It was about putting your hope in a government, in the state, in a man. We as Christians and as conservatives, we put our hope in, right. in God, and we put our hope in ourselves. We don't want. We don't want to put all of our hope into a government. And they see the writing on the wall that that was rejected, and that's why yes. they're, they're a little hopeless right now. Correct.
6: And they, they've lost, uh, they lost 30 states in the presidential election. Uh, I think Republicans have 32 governorships. They only control 13 state legislatures across the country. They've got a big minority in Congress. So, yeah, I think they see America is turning against their party. They have the coasts. They have the urban areas. But the Republicans have, the, really, the, the Rust Belt, the, the Midwest, uh, the flyover country, the South. And I think if they can deliver on the promises, Andrea, if we can now see action on these promises and if the rhinos in Congress can get behind Trump, if they don't block him, which I'm worried about. I'm worried about people like McCain and, mm. and McConnell mm-hmm. and Ryan and Lindsey Graham and I'm worried about all those people. But if they can get on board and we can pass this agenda, I think it's going to be tremendous for, for the country.
2: Well, thank you so much. How can people hear you, see you, get your book?
6: Thanks, Andrew. It's all on my website, which is my name, com. You can order the book, America's Last Chance, which outlines what the Trump agenda should be. And it also links to where people can hear about uh, my shows and watch it on TV and also read some of my columns. So a really great talking to a fellow Louisianian.
2: Well, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. You have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. All right, we closing in on the final the home stretch of tonight's Andrea K show, so don't go anywhere. Something just blew up out of the left corner of my eye. I don't know what that was. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna figure that out. But don't you go anywhere, cause I'm coming right back.
1: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Interesting choice in music today, but I'm kind of grooving on it. I'm, I'm digging it, Dijon. Um, now it's time. It's that time of each week in which we give out the awards to the Andrea K Show. Next week we're going to be doing our our. End of the year wrap. We're going to be doing our superstars of the year awards. But this week, it's now we're doing our standard hero of the week and last week's fool. this week's tool award. I was actually initially going to give it to Deborah Messing and her pals out of Hollywood, out of Lala, who tried to persuade the electors to do uh, to not do their job. But their argument was, hey, the most corrupt criminal politician in the history of the country got exposed, had her crimes exposed, and that's wrong. So the electors should not go and do their job, their constitutional job, but they should vote for Hillary and usher in the criminal into office what? And then they couldn't even get the names right of the electors in their video. I was going to give it to them, but then I was reminded by all you wonderful people out there that really last week's fool, this week's tools got to go to the Texas GOP elector, Chris Supper. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. This was the elector who was too high on his moral high horse to vote for Donald Trump. Right. And then we come to find out that this is the dude that, while he was supposedly out of work, spent I don't know how much money on an Ashley Madison account to hook up with other women. This is a guy who pretended he was a 9-11 responder on the day of 9-11 at the Pentagon and set up some kind of phony, fraudulent foundation. Dude, you could be my year's fool and tool of the year. You're that much of a jack wagon, okay? A runner up. So, but it might be a tie with Deborah Messi. No, he's, he's my number one fool. My buddy, Ronnie Rayleigh wanted to give it to Bill Clinton. I, he, nobody else voted for Bill Clinton, Ronnie, but I love you anyway. Okay. Hero of the week. This has gotten to where it's so hard that I'm almost having to think of Patriot of the week. Um, and to me, the heroes of the week are the electors who stood against literal death threats and intimidation. And they went and they did their job. They were literally being shouted down thousands of death threats. Thank you to the electors for doing your job and standing up against the scourge that is the left in in an attempt to overturn a free and fair election. Never thought in my lifetime that I would see that happen here in America. To close the show, we started out by talking about hope and every story we had had an element of hope. Not all hope is well-intentioned or good. You know, as a conservative, um, as I said to Jeff Currier, I don't put my hope in any manner in government. I put my hope in God. We've got Christmas coming up this week. I don't care what comes under the tree. There's no greater gift than has been given to me in my gift of salvation. I have hope because every day I know that no matter what I face, I'm not alone. I've got the Lord with me and that I can do anything. The Lord says that I can do and that I was, this was a free gift given to me that I could not earn it. I don't deserve it, but it's mine. So it really doesn't even matter who's in office. That's where my hope lies. And I hope that all of you out there will receive that gift for Christmas. I want to wish a Merry Christmas to all you out there, everybody here at the station, all my listeners. I love you all so much. To those of you who are alone at this Christmas time, this is a time in which there's also a lot of sadness for people that are truly hopeless. Please do not be hopeless. If you are alone, if you are sad, I will be checking social media on Christmas. Please reach out to me. Especially the military. There's so many of you with broken hearts. Please reach out to somebody. I'm going to be here right back here next Tuesday night, 6 p.m. on AM 1170. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Instagram, I'm everywhere. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. I love you all. Jesus is the reason for the season.